episode 263 of The Platformers, a show about games and nerd culture, and I am your host, Brian Barnett. I'm Joshua Mobley, and my opinions are my own and not that of my employer. My name is Ronnie Barrier, and by the end of the show, I will be the host, so look out. Oh no, he's taking over. For you. Thanks so much for joining us, Ronnie. I'm really, really excited to get into uh, this episode. I know you've been a guest on the show a bunch of times, but if there's anybody who is tuning in now who doesn't know who you are, please introduce yourself to them. Yeah, uh, my name is Ronnie Barrier. I work on the gameplay team at IGN. Uh, A lot of gameplay capture and wikis help and features and fun things like that. So you might hear my voice uh, pop up every once in a while if you're looking for Fire Emblem help or god of war collectibles or something like that but i'm around the internet when you or the least list of the me. or or the list of the top 10 fighting games of all time that's true you i did know, that was a fun one if you're looking for that uh yeah so thank you so much for joining us uh this is a big 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 episode uh this is our game of the year 2022 episode and we've got a lot to talk about because despite what you may have heard games they are a happening and uh, there were a lot of uh, a lot of really good ones that came out last year, uh, and now that the year has actually concluded, we can talk about them all because there were quite a few. One of the things that, that happens every year, and this is one of the reasons why we actually do this game of the year episode this early uh, uh, in the new year, is because there are some great things that come out after the Game Awards, after you know the Dice Awards, after a lot of different award shows, and uh, as a frequent sufferer of FOMO, uh, I want to make sure that I get all of them in. So, uh, we got a lot to talk about, but let's begin with our honorable honorable mentions. So, these are the games that we think are really, really awesome that didn't quite crack our top five, which is what this uh, episode is going to be about, each of our top five uh, games of 2022. So, let's start with our illustrious guests. Ronnie, what were some of your honorable mentions from 2022 i have three this year and the first one that just barely missed my actual top five was marvel snap Uh, i did not expect to enjoy this game uh fell really far down the rabbit hole uh for like three weeks and then almost fell completely off which is why i i didn't actually include it in the list yeah but um i really loved it when i was playing it for sure I, i also I also played it for like pretty hardcore for like two days. And then I just was like, all right, I think I'm done. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that. it was. I was. Yeah. I was definitely in that same, in that same area where like, I, I, I was like, man, this is amazing. And then just didn't go back to it. Yeah. It, it, it seems to have, uh, captured the entire world and, and then kind of fallen off a cliff. But I think the initial, uh, just treadmill of continuing to get cards, like it, no one's brain is, is safe from that. Like, if you do it right, people are going to be on the hook. They're going to keep playing, keep unlocking stuff. But eventually, I think it just got to the point yeah. where I wasn't unlocking enough. And it just kind of started to slow down. And there was less incentive to like hit my dailies and things like that. And I was like, eh, I'm just, I'm kind of spinning my wheels here. So ended up moving on. But so yeah. it's a great three weeks. I, my main thing with it is just it's not as uh deep as some i mean i'm like i'm I'm practically a lifelong magic the gathering player i'm so sorry and pokemon and i used to play (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh like hardcore on a weekly basis as a teenager so like i love card games and like i'm used to the like mechanical depth of something like magic the gathering where you're you have 
almost 30 years of cards to play with and the amount of crazy decks and things that you can uh you know do is just it's practically endless right um so there's a lot of ex- personal expression in the game whereas in this it's like there's not as much and maybe that's just because it's new but like also just the way the game works doesn't really lend itself to too much like expression it's more like well we're doing what's gonna i'm gonna do what's gonna be best like sort of so like i almost feel like this would be a good board game i don't know if it's a good or like a great tcg but it's a pretty good tcg but i i do catch people out in public playing it and i'm like okay well it has an audience so you know maybe i'm just not the maybe maybe it's not for me like the you know the hardcore tcg guy yeah i I was thinking about it and i it would be nice for it to have more depth but i don't think it can i think i think the reason it was such a hit at first was because the games you were just you know in and out so quick and it it was i did like that yeah and and like i i enjoyed hearthstone fell off as well uh when you know there was like one particular meta and i was like i don't want to research what cards i have to use in order to rank up here so um yeah but yeah but while i was playing it was it was a it was great fun i love collecting the variant covers um i may have bought one of the season passes other than that didn't spend any money which you know <laughs> stay strong so i think i bought the beginner pack um but that's about it yeah mm. that's yeah I didn't spend any money, but I definitely did get into that the same scenario that I do with Fortnite, where I'm like, man, I'd really love to have like Deku from My Hero Academia, even though I don't really play this game. Like people would be posting all these beautiful card images from Marvel Snap, and I'm like, man, that is that looks so good. Like, man, yeah, but if you should... had it, you wouldn't be as happy as you think you would be, right? No, of course, of course. All so none of this chase, ever leads you know? to that. But yeah, but they are cool. I will say, like, I like the idea that you have, you know, ver- like variants or whatever, which is very mm-hmm. comic booky. Uh, but yeah, it's a fine game. I, I I don't have much wrong with it, but yeah, it's like I wish it was a little more deep. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that that's my first honorable mention. Just wanted to give it a quick shout out. Uh, do you want me to go through my other two cool. or? You want to rotate those? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I Let's only have one, so. Okay. <laughs> uh, my second one was Neon White, um, which was, you'll find this is this is a current uh, uh, a repeating pattern for this year, is getting really into a game for about two weeks and then just it dropping it completely. Just there, there's there's too much stuff to yeah, play, yeah. especially with my job. It's like, got to gotta keep moving. Uh, but Neon White. Yeah. Um, I did that job. You get to play every game, but you only get to play like three hours of yeah, it. It's a, yeah. Wide as an ocean and deep as a puddle, as they say. Exactly. Uh, but they, uh, a few of my friends, a few of my coworkers all got into Neon White speedrunning. And like, if you, if you fall down that hole, there's, there's little chance of escape unless something snaps you out of it. Uh, it is just a really mechanically sound game. I don't know if anyone, uh, or if everyone has has heard of it who's listening, but it's kind of a first-person... It's technically a shooter, and it's technically kind of a card game, but what you're doing is collecting different power-ups and different uh, methods of traversal to get through these levels as fast as you can, all kind of linked together through a anime tsunami era esque visual novel. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, a, it's a, lot of, a lot of random things uh, smooshed together. But in terms of just the core gameplay loop, it does the thing that the old Tony Hawk 
games did that is that is so vital you hit restart and immediately you're restarted just going no no yeah. fuss whatsoever um and they nailed that so they nailed that loop you want to keep jumping in i'd tell myself i'm gonna try this one more time and you know 30 times later i've shaved like a tenth of a second off my score and you know uh beat my friend and get to text him to gloat so uh that was also a uh very good time this year uh did either of you guys play that I did not, but I thought it looked interesting. And when people were coming out being like, man, this game's pretty great, I was like, someday. Yeah, if you. Someday I'll get to it. If you have that part of your brain that enjoys. I mean, Brian, you and I play fighting games. Like, it's going back and forth, um, trying to beat your friends. It was the same way with with, uh, Astro's Playroom when it came out until they uh, patched it and didn't update the leaderboard. So those, those times up there are synced in forever which is a bummer but just the i haven't even finished the game uh but i'm about halfway through because i kept just grinding the earlier levels trying to get faster times um very interesting art style uh i was playing on an ultra wide monitor and so it was just coming at me like full force the entire time i felt like i was uh, a little inebriated after a while um you know you play guitar hero and like you you leave but you still see the track going in your head after a while, yeah, <laughs> it was it was that situation uh, for Neon White, but yeah, the uh, Tetris effect, but for movement. Yes, uh, I, yeah. I don't imagine it happening in twenty twenty three, but if things slow down, then it's a it's a great game to spend some time with, for sure. Mouse and keyboard, though. Man, speaking of that, that reminds me that reminds me of of when I was a kid, and I would you spend like an hour uh, or two just jumping on a trampoline, and then you get off. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> what is happening? I was a gymnast <laughs> for seven years, so you're you're speaking my language. I lived on a yeah. trampoline for a while. Uh, okay, that's Last amazing. One. I did not know that. Anyway, uh, onion man, it's new layers every day. Uh, it's true. My last one is King of Fighters 15. Um, it was oh, my. Yeah. I've dabbled in other other KOFs. This is the first one I really got into. Um, you know, grinding training mode and actually going in ranked online, spending some time with friends. Uh, this one's a little different in that I'd probably keep coming back to it. And uh, neither of you have to say anything on this if you want to, but the the like full purchase of SNK by the Saudi government kind of soured me on this a little bit. And I was like, I, I don't think I want to be given any more money to this if that's directly where it's going. Um, and that I just kind of fell off at that point. There were too many other fighting games to play and feeling conflicted about it. I was just like, ah, there's just not really any point for me to spend time with it. And if it's going to, you know, cause that much stress about it. So, but the, I know the devs still worked very hard on it. They had nothing to say in that, uh, acquisition and it's a, uh, really, really well-made fighting game. So I just wanted to shout it out real quick. Yeah. And that's my honorable mentions. Nido, Josh, what's your one? My one honorable mention is uh, Zombie Army 4. And oh. I've never played uh, any of the other Zombie Army games, but this game was on uh, Game Pass, so my friends and I just decided to boot it up and play, and it is, like, ridiculously fun and really, really well-optimized on, like, all platforms and on PC. Um 
like the shooting mechanics are very fun it has a horde mode and like a bunch of extra content to play uh this game's dope y'all like it's just fun it's just stupid it's like oh hitler like did magic and now there's zombies across like all of europe and so it's like world war ii era like guns and stuff like all those guns you liked from call of duty like two and three and stuff uh it's just ridiculous and fun and it's it's gory and satisfying and you like level up your characters and stuff and and give them new abilities and level up your guns with new mods and there's like a lot of reasons to come back and also just like i don't know it's a great like little co-op game highly recommend especially if you have game pass it's like you can't you can't lose it's on game pass if you don't like it you're just like all right well that was that you know you just move on but i had a good time playing it do i need to have played zombie army 3 you don't because we all jumped in and it's basically like hitler made zombies and you're like great okay cool and then you just start shooting dang (laughs) hitler's at it again i think there is like lore and stuff to it but i we're like whatever we don't really get hitler zombies got it start shooting you know that's all you need yeah yeah that's really all you need that's cool yeah so uh and very I've gory, also, as you can see. <laughs> yes, definitely. I was like, I was like, man, can we be showing this? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've got, um, I've got uh, three honorable mentions as well: uh, Cult of the Lamb, Tunic, and last minute edition, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Uh, these are three games that I, I think are. Those are really really awesome cult of the lamb actually narrow missed uh, narrowly missed my top five um i think it is awesome it is kind of like diet hades in the combat department combined with evil animal crossing which is just an amazing mashup uh i I, the art is great the music is really really fantastic i listened to this soundtrack on spotify in the car for man a couple of months after uh after the game i was just you know vibing with it um it was really really fun uh i think one of the reasons why people aren't talking about it more is that it was it's um in a world full of so many live service games that try to take as much of your time as possible, Cult of the Lamb just kind of gets in and gets out. Um, and I think that's to its credit, but I think that given that there were so many games that came out this year that were great, that were critically lauded, that were also extremely long, I think it's really easy to forget uh, little indie gems like this. Uh, but I did not forget about you, Cult of the Lamb. You're great. Um, it is great. Uh, next tunic tunic is a game that I actually took up on a challenge, uh, from one Odell Harmon jr. Uh, he said that he bet me a steak dinner that, uh, I couldn't beat tunic, uh, and get the true ending without, uh, looking up a guide. And I said, I write guides for a living. I will accept this challenge. Uh, and it was still really hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was still it was the still game really, really really hard. hard it's tunic is very very hard and not just from a combat uh standpoint um the way that it handles 
clues, the way that it handles um, parsing out information about what the player can do, what even moves are available. There are a ton of things that you can do. You can do everything from the beginning of the game, but they don't explain it to you. And some of the... um, some of the moves or some of the special abilities that you have aren't necessarily apparent with, you know, how you might play in a normal game unless you saw something in like the instruction manual or something like that. So the way that it kind of spreads these guide pages across the world so that you are picking up on little bits and pieces of, um, you know, new tools, new abilities, new skills that can let you um, go around the world, but that you don't actually have to go get. So if you play this game again, you'll have an entirely different experience. You can go straight to, you know, the end or, you know, really end game areas because you know certain things about the way this world is set up or about the things that you can do. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, it, it it was enthralling from start to finish, even though I almost stopped playing it a couple of times um, out of just sheer frustration. Um, but I think the art is great. I think it is also like the music is also great. Uh, and I think that it, there hasn't been a game like this for me since Fez, which is really high praise. Um, and I think that the fact that it's not in my top five is basically just down to the fact that I almost stopped playing a couple of times cause I was really annoyed with it. Um, yeah, I, I felt I, as much as I really liked Tunic, I did get kind of fed up with it near the end. Like I was yeah. sort of just frustrated and I did have to use a guide once or twice because yeah, it doesn't explain anything to you. Like you have to look at the page, which actually my favorite thing about it were the, were the manual pages. I thought they were yeah. so cool in the way that they, they get entwined with the actual storytelling of the game too was like really clever. Yeah. Um, it felt kind of like you were playing a game from like Japan that you had imported, but you couldn't yeah. read any of the like text. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you had to kind of just figure it out, which is, is kind of a neat experience. Um, but I did find it really frustrating near the end. I found combat kind of frustrating. Certain bosses were like really frustrating without very specific items to just like kind of cheat them dead, you know. The the uh, the gun boss yeah. and the last boss are just way too hard. The gun uh, the gun the, boss made me like scream. I was so yeah. The <laughs> so the lizard annoyed. the lizard enemies are just outrageous. Like they take way too many hits. They do way too much damage. Like it just feels like the if if the if it was twe- if the balance was tweaked a little bit, I feel like this would be a way better experience. Yeah. Um, because when you solve the puzzles in this game, it feels awesome. Yeah, like, it's great. Be- yeah. Because there's not a lot of guidance, like you sort of have to go off the visual clues yeah. like in the world. And when you actually figure them out, it's like really, uh, really like I uh, rewarding. But yeah. There, but all that rewarding feeling is also there's this underlying just like frustration and kind of uh, bashing your head against the wall kind of yeah. experience that you have to get through. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's why it did not make my top five, even though I at the end of the day enjoyed it. But I would say I enjoyed it with an asterisk <laughs> because yeah, it is it is just outside. Definitely not yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's just outside my top five. And the last one uh, in my honorable mentions is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, uh, which there's not really a, there's not really a whole lot to say about this game other than this is uh, this is the 
TMNT sequel that we all deserve. You know, it's it's basically pitch perfect. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's super fun. The all the characters are great. Um, the yeah, something that, that that keeps it off of my uh, top five is just that like replaying arcade style games isn't exactly my bag. Um, but it, this was so. This was definitely more of the like cult of the lamb. Like I'm gonna play through it once and then I'm good. You know, I had a gr- I had a fantastic yeah. time with it, and uh, you know, all that. Uh, yeah, but, I played. Uh, I played it with. Uh, I played it with my wife and two of our friends, and we played the whole game and beat it in about like three hours. Um, yeah, and like we had a good time, but then after that, it was like, all right, I guess I'm done. Like it, it was. There wasn't much reason to go back anymore but that's not necessarily a bad thing um, no 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 no. yeah because that's like it's execution is very for. very good yeah, yeah. it's execution is very very good the art is fantastic like the music's really good it really nails like early 90s late 80s teenage mutant ninja turtles which is like yeah. when i was a kid growing up right and yeah, so same. it does feel very nostalgic to play but then when it's over it's kind of like all right i did that i'm gonna do something yeah. else now i guess also it it has uh it has a fantastic like last boss or like penultimate mm-hmm. boss twist that i thought was just an absolute delight it was so fun uh but yeah this is i mean mm-hmm. this is one of those things where it's like if anybody's ever asking me hey what's a beat up i should play it's gonna be this in streets of rage 4 so it's like it's it's you you definitely sleep on this at your at your own peril um, but yeah so those are my honorable mentions. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Although we've definitely been digging deep with our uh, with our discussions of the honorable mentions for sure. Uh, so let we're gonna go around. We're gonna start from five, and we're gonna count our way down to one. We're gonna start with our guests. So let's go, uh, Ronnie, and then Josh, and then me. We're all gonna talk about our fifth, our uh, our fifth pick, uh, and then we'll just keep working our way through. And if there's any uh, anything that each of us have that uh, someone else has further down the list. We're going to jump in. We're going to talk about it. Uh, and there you go. So, Ronnie, what is your fifth top game of 2022? My fifth top game of 2022 is a uh, late <laughs> entry of the year, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Uh, it's a game oh. I kind of got uh, assigned for work, and I was planning on playing it eventually. But I, if you go... Okay, Tactics RPGs are some of my favorite games of all time. Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite game of all time. So I come at at them from that angle rather than the XCOM angle. And so knowing this is the XCOM dev with Marvel additions to it, I was like, "Eh, this this could be cool. Um, I got got caught up by this game so hard. Um, The the combat was done in a very smart way um, after the game made a really poor first impression. Uh, I played for about an hour and a half or so, got through the tutorial and was talking to my team and I was like, I, I think they kind of they kind of missed on this one. I'm, I'm not feeling dialogue. I, I don't really like the gameplay loop. But once you get your team assembled, that, that was not intentional, but yeah, it's simple. Um, get your team <laughs> assembled uh, and you really start to dig into the combat. Uh, it's done in a very, very smart way. Rather than a grid, you kind of just have a circular area and a lot of your damage is done through environmental interactions or interactions between the characters. So 
uh, magic has. The, the environmental aspect was something I really liked about it. It was really cool. So you could, ma- magic could create uh, big like portals and her ability would be anytime you knock back an enemy of this character, they get sent into a portal and out of this portal where you place it. And so you could send a dude hurtling through another dimension and run into another guy. You could have them hit a bomb and just explode everything in the area. Um, Spider-Man was great for like crowd control. Ghost Rider can do crazy like necromancer type things where he hurt he hurts himself, but also you know can kick an enemy into hell and things like that. Uh, so the the interactions with those ended up being some of the most fun of the game, um, especially since it's another uh, card game kind of uh, joining Neon White. Uh, they really just use the cards more as uh, abilities that you randomly draw. It's not doesn't it's not, doesn't really feel like a TCG, um, but it's a uh, also a little bit of like a Persona or Mass Effect light in terms of the relationships. So in between battles, you go back to the Abbey, your your home point, and talk about the missions you just went on, you help Spider-Man fit in with his new friends because he's socially awkward and uh, Tony Stark is uh, a bit overbearing with the genius kids and they're like, it's really, it's, it's cool that you're Tony Stark but you kind of need to back off and let us do our own thing. Uh, there are some really cool relationship things they do in there. I would say that's probably the weaker part of the game. Um, some of it is kind of Marvel quippy dialogue in a bad way. Uh, but a lot of it, it still lands. Uh, a lot of the emotional beats still land, uh, even if it's uh, just laid on a bit too thick. It's also a long game. Uh, people spending like up to 50, 60 hours going through it, and at least half of that is going to be non-battle gameplay, which is by far the best part of it. So uh, again, didn't yeah. finish because it came out at the end of the year, and uh, I need to get my saves to sync to, to Steam Deck at some point because uh, that's the way I kind of prefer to play it. But I would really recommend checking it out if you're a fan of tactics games or uh, things with um, relationship builder uh, kind of gameplay systems that feed back into the main gameplay loop. I think it does that really well. Mm. Some of the stuff that I've heard that people do where it's like, oh, these people all get together and watch a movie. I'm like, what? Like, I thought you were trying to stop the end of the world. Why are you watching movies together? Play Pong uh, with Captain Marvel. Yeah, I'm just like, man, but, and, and I definitely uh, do understand what you're saying on the on the uh, the quippy thing. I, I'm way too early. Like, I think I've only played, like, maybe two hours of this game, so this wasn't getting anywhere near, you know, my top five just for that reason alone, but I am, that it is one of the games that I am the most excited to keep playing just because I think that the uh, the battle system is really interesting. Uh, yeah. Although I really wish there was an option to uh, have people... Like if there was like a, just a, a checkbox that I could click where when I'm reading a note that I picked up off the ground, people would stop talking because I actually liked the banter and I thought that it was good characterization uh, for like the world. But I just I like I can't listen to four different conversations going on, you know, in rapid succession while I'm reading a really long note from somebody in the past. Where it's just I'm podcasting, like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> should be a pro at it at this point. Uh, no, I would say... It's true. The Yeah, like the, the clearest indication of what that game is is Spider-Man being probably one of the most fun characters to play gameplay-wise. Uh, and they got his voice back from the Marvel Spider-Man games. Yuri Lowenthal yeah, reprises that, which is, which is really cool. But the, the dialogue is just not as good 
as the Spider-Man games. Mm. He, he comes off as grating and annoying, and I was like, it's it's interesting. It's the same voice actor, but now suddenly this character is much more obnoxious. And again, that's all that's all personal taste. Uh, I am a gigantic yeah. Spider-Man fan. I've got posters in the other room. Uh, but it was it was a little too Spider-Man for my tastes. It's almost like yeah. writing plays a very key. <laughs> almost like it. Yeah. It's almost like writing is important. All right. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what was your number five? Uh, my number five was Elden Ring, so I'm sure Brian's going to talk more about this than I will. Oh, um, here we go. So I've never... I didn't actually beat Elden Ring, but I got pretty close and I have never beaten a Souls game, but I've played like all of them basically to some degree. Um, Elden Ring is very fascinating because there were times when I would get really frustrated and then there were times where you feel like I'm the greatest, I can beat anything and then suddenly, you know, you're like, oh great, I just reached an area I can't beat. You know, now it feels like I'm doing uh, farming and other things, which I don't necessarily like. Um, But I will say, despite all that, uh, the game is very, very good. And it solves a lot of the problems that I would say like other Souls games have in terms of like um, accessibility and frustration. Like if you're going to try and get into this type of game, honestly, this is the one to just do it with. Uh, because it's, I don't want to say the easiest, but maybe the most just player friendly. Let's put it that way. So it's the most player friendly one of these games, even though there's tons of stuff. This one has the most options that can help you out. Yeah. 40 hours in, there was still stuff where I was like, I don't have any fucking idea what this does. (laughs) Like, I was like, I have zero clue what's the... Like, my wife was also playing it um, at the same time, and she'd be like, what does this stat mean? I'm like, she beats me, man. I'm like, I don't know, Google it. Because I have, I have zero clue what, you know. No one knows Josh. Does they're they're just making it up. Any... Yeah, all these numbers don't mean anything. Um, but that being said, it's a very, very good game. Um, but I probably wasn't as in love with it at definitely not as much as Brian is in love with it, but I wasn't as in love with it as some of my other friends either because it got to a point where it just felt like it was way too, like it overstated its welcome. Like, uh, after 40 (laughs) hours in, I was like, I should be done by now. And it said like, Oh, you still have another like 10 ish to go. And at that point I was like, like if it's not over by now, you know, do I really want to keep going? So I ended up stopping, but um, I did buy it on PC because of that that uh, that oh, co-op mod, yes, um, which I Seamless haven't co-op. played yet. And I would like to because I want to. Like these games are really challenging, and I get why people want to play them alone. I feel like I would I would have much nicer things to say if one of these games would just let me play it with my wife at the same time or like my friend at the same time and like just let us just let me play the whole game like run through things and stuff that's what i really want because i don't know i maybe i'm a weirdo and i just like you know need to get good or whatever but like i don't necessarily want to do like super difficult things by myself i like doing difficult things with other people so playing these games i'm always like man i wish the co-op was better you know so 
But I mean, well, it's a great game. Yeah. I think people should play it. And Brian can take it away and now gush about how amazing it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I, since this is since uh, I mean, spoiler alert. I guess this is my number one. Um, but should I talk about that right now? I think you can save it. I guess. Okay. It, yeah. It may, I, it may come say, up on my will, list as well. So there there will be time yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's I'll, all I got to say about it. So yeah, I'll, I'll save it. But I, but I will say that I think if that is your goal, then buying it on PC and using the, uh, using the seamless co-op mod is definitely the way to go because that will, that will give you the experience that you want. Um, yeah. So. so I'll try it again at some point when I can convince someone to play the whole game with me. Uh, All right. But we'll see. See how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so my number five is a little old puzzle game. And this is this might be the only or like one of two games on here that nobody has heard of. But uh, my number five is Freshly Frosted. So this is a game that I uh, reviewed for the show. Um, and it is a puzzle game that I played on switch. Um, the whole idea is that you are building out different, uh, donut factories. And so you are building a pathway that will, you know, have, uh, have you get your donut, have some frosting on it, put some sprinkles on it, maybe put some whipped cream on top, maybe put some, you know, like a cherry on top of that. And at every point, it will, you know, divert at the right time to deliver overcooked style, uh, whatever type of donut the person wants to the right kind of delivery outlet. And so it gets really, really complicated. Um, it starts simple and it has a really great uh, way of easing you into uh, the complexities of creating these conveyor belts that take your donuts from you know, along the assembly line and to where they need to go. Uh, and it, 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 later puzzles have you building your tracks like backwards, you know, to try to figure out where they're supposed to go. Uh, it, it is, re there are several times, we were talking about Tunic earlier, uh, about solving a puzzle and feeling like amazing, like having that incredible feeling. I had that feeling so many times in this game. Uh, where like I solved a puzzle and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I did it, you son of a bitch. Like, you know, that that is so fantastic. There were, um, I actually talked with a developer during the show. I have not played it since then, but um, they were actually adding in better uh, hints because there were some times where I thought like the hints were kind of missing, but uh, I imagine those are probably up now and so you've got you know a better more robust hint system that kind of uh shows you kind of points you in the right direction without giving too much away uh with how you solve your puzzles but man i i like puzzle games a lot but it is um it's tricky to find a puzzle game that is visually appealing that is um you know auditorily satisfying and that really nails that perfect balance between uh challenge and fun and i think that this just really really hits on all levels um it's super cute it's super cheap 
The soundtrack is also, uh, this is, I guess, kind of a theme for this episode. The soundtrack is great. Like, if you just really want kind of peppy, light, um, fun music, look up the uh, the soundtrack on Spotify for Freshly Frosted, because it's great. So, Brian, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Is my, I've, I've heard very little of what yeah. you said, because this B-roll is just hypnotic. It's so good, right? Man, yeah. he's talked it, about this game like a bunch of times, so it's like, oh, this is a, this is something I will play at some point. Yeah, uh, this is, I mean, and man, let me tell you, when you finish and it says, good job, the, the, uh, the narrator actually like compliments you and says, hey, nice work. And, uh, and the donuts will be rhythmically going, it's like very soothing and groovy and fun. It's great. It's great. Go play this game. It's amazing. Brian just needs musical affirmation. That's the only reason this is on the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I need informa- affirmation all the time. I need information, too. I need information Both about what your fourth top pick of oh, the year it, is, Ronnie. What it's is me it? me again. My it is. fourth best game of 2022 is Interblade Chronicles 3. <laughs> Uh, is that a terrible way to put it? <laughs> What's your fourth top pick? Probably, yeah. I, I, who knows? Uh, my brain is... What's your third last pick? <laughs> Thirst least most favorite game. Of, yeah. uh, no, Xenoblade Chronicles yeah. 3 is uh, fantastic. I am 50 hours in and probably about a third of the way through. Um, and I already know this is one of my favorite games of last year. Uh, partly because I made it all the way through Xenoblade Chronicles... Uh, Definitive Edition, whatever they call the new one on Switch, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and all the DLC of, of both of those last year, and then still wanted to play 3, and it's still grabbing my attention this hard. Um, That's wild. It's, it's, I, I did not expect it. I kept telling myself, you need to take a longer break, but uh, my my brain wouldn't have that. Uh, no, Xenoblade 3 mm-hmm. um, is a sadder game to me than the first two, and I think that tone is kind of set right from the beginning. As you can see, the soldiers all clearly dying uh, the very beginning mm-hmm. of the of the game here in the opening cutscene. Um, but it is a game that is uh, revolving around a group of... Uh, they're basically teenagers, but everyone in this world lives for only 10 years. Uh, they're born into an army. They fight for 10 years. The more that they kill, the higher rank that they get, the better quality of life they have, and then they die. And that's it. And all they know is they're, they're child soldiers, and that's pretty much all that they know. Um, and so the game is a lot about Some Warhammer shit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's it's surprisingly Girl. dark to the to the point where um, yeah, there are discussions in the game of them talking about like, hey, if our sole existence is to make other people hurt, then and then one of his friends cuts him off, and he's like, don't think like that. If you think like that, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. I've seen it happen to other people. And you can't go down that that deep of a road. Um, it also has uh, a main character that uh, sends off people once they've died, kind of like Yuna from Final Fantasy X, which is one of my favorite kind of JRPG mm. tropes, or or uh, I don't even know what to call it, story elements. Uh, it's just something really beautiful about that tying music to someone's passing. Uh, it's the same composer as the first two games, Yasunori Mitsuda, who did Chrono cross and lots of other fantastic games um one of my favorite composers and uh that's not even to say anything about the battle system which is 
rotating a bunch of uh, job classes and leveling those up and finding the best synergy between your uh, friends and your own abilities to link together. So you you master one class, you get a bunch of skills from it, and you can take those skills into a new class. And I, I just love that stuff. Like, give me a, a big RPG with, with job classes you can level up, like that constant job hamster wheel to be on. It's, it's so good. And so there's a great gameplay loop um, to where I really wanted to see what happened in the next story beat but i would stay in one area and just keep fighting because i was like I, this class is level eight i can get it to level 10 in like 10 minutes i can swap it out and then go into this new area and start leveling this new one um and it, it just it has its hooks all the way into me i wish it wasn't only on switch because it's really showing its age at this point um but after a while i really didn't notice the the drawbacks the frame rate can be a little rough at times but it never messes with gameplay the art direction is still beautiful and mostly when I'm playing this game, I'm thinking the way that Scarlet and Violet came out was inexcusable because of how gorgeous <laughs> this game is and how well it runs for how massive yeah. the environments are. Uh, it, it's it's a feat in a lot of ways. And uh, I'm actually, I'm usually like an all Japanese dialogue subtitles person. I'm playing this game with a dub and I still really enjoy it. And it's still emotionally effective, which says a lot. Um because dubs can be real bad sometimes. But this sure. is... They can also be very good. Yes, they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But the, I found those are, are few and far in between for me. Um, a lot of the anime melodrama and anguish does, doesn't really translate to our language for me sometimes, it seems like. But uh, this game, I'm, I'm just loving every aspect of it. Uh, I plan on finishing it as soon as I can It's in, in the next six years or so. And uh, I would recommend, if anyone has a passing interest in it, it is of the highest quality, so I'd, I'd recommend trying it out. Now, do you need to play the first two to jump into this, or is, are they all standalone stories? They are, they are loosely connected. It's not important to play the other two. You might get a little bit more out of it, um, but they are very loosely connected, not even in the same world. It's like a new scenario, new setting but themes and, and things like okay. that carry over. Cool. Nice. Josh, what's your number four? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I have to scroll back up to it because I forgot. Zombie uh, Army 3. <laughs> that definitely did not come out last year. Uh, my number four was multiverses Ooh. Ah. um i am not usually super great at like smash type games um and i had like zero expectations for this like when i heard it was they were making it i was like yeah whatever who cares um and that i was like this is a uh this is a chris shriver game if i ever saw one right like that that was my first thought not to <laughs> i miss you chris uh miss you chris but like you know, he plays like, you know, these types of things where he's like, I'm going to play the Nickelodeon's Smash clone. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Like you do you. Yeah. So that, that was my first like impression. And then Brian started playing like the closed alpha or the beta or something. And he was like, no, it's cross play, free to play, like all these things. I'm like, all right, you've you've piqued my interest now. And the fact that it was running at like it had a rollback net code and had, uh, you know, like a, a pretty good roster. And there was all these crazy leaks like about characters and stuff coming out um 
a friend and I played the beta like right before it, you know, the open beta right before it came out. And we were like hooked for an entire month, basically yeah. playing. Um, I was a Velma main and oh, uh, also played some Shaggy. God, represent. toxic, and, just uh, toxic. Enjoyed, enjoyed every minute of it. It was a great time. Um, I haven't played recently just because I played so much like when it first came out. Um, and just other things distracted me, but it is a great, great game um, that I highly recommend uh, people play. Even if you think like oh, I'm just gonna have some friends over and play, you know, locally or whatever, like you'll have a great time. Like, yeah, I, I guarantee it. it's very fun. There's Velma. Yeah, uh, yep. yeah. My girl. I played. <laughs> I played a lot of this game um, partially for fun, mostly for work. Um, I wrote some guides on this. I wrote a tier list on this that people were, of course, as they were with my DNF dual tier list, people were like, come on, guys. <laughs> Don't look at those comments, man. But, uh, yeah. Some of them were really good, though. But, uh, but Everybody's yeah, going to have an opinion. Right? I, played, uh, I played Superman, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think the main problem uh, with this game for me is that they kept rebalancing characters, nerfing characters, buffing characters. They'd have a new balance patch like every week or two, which is just like, yeah, it's, it's really, really difficult to deal with. That was, that was a bit much. Like they should be only doing a balance patch like once a season, honestly, unless there's some extreme problem with a character where like it's, they're behaving in a way that they were not meant to behave or like something is doing, you know, there's a problem, (laughs) right? That design did not intend. Like, I feel like those are the only times you should really be doing, like, mid-season balance patches for the most part. Yeah, yeah you should just leave it alone. Like, but... Yeah, yeah. I, think they, I think they've largely um, kind of fixed a lot of the, of the balance issues that were there earlier. Uh, but they've also introduced a lot of new characters, uh, which is cool. But yeah, I definitely think that there have been a lot of these games that have come out, um, you know, where they are, like you said, you know, a Nickelodeon kart racer or a you know, uh, SpongeBob centric brawler or whatever. And I do think that as far as those go, uh, this is probably the best one of those that I have played. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Since, since probably Sonic all-stars racing transformed. That game is so good. Was probably That's a the great last. game that no one talks about. Yeah. Game rules. <laughs> Very good. But like it, it's been since that game where I was like, this isn't the main game that everybody thinks of in this genre, but it's still great. Uh, and I think multiverse yeah. is, is, is right there. And because it is so focused on uh, teams, uh, I think that it, it does uh, happen to carve out its own niche, um, you know, in a world where smash kind of reigns supreme. And the fact that it is yeah. free play, free to play and cross play and available on everything and not just switch, uh, which are all really important things. And has the backing yeah. of WB. All of those are really, really important which, things. Which means, like, that game probably has more players than Smash, the new Smash, ever ever will. Even though, you know, it sold way more copies than Multiverses ever probably will, right? Which is, yeah. it's so strange. It's a, it's a strange industry. Yeah, it also has Battle Passes, which is something that uh, Smash doesn't have. So, yeah, which I'm, but I also I'm sure, just yeah. I, I I despise battle passes. So yeah, you know, uh, 
yeah, that's my least favorite part of the game is like that they have to do this seasonal model thing. Um, yeah. I almost wish that they just released characters and were like, you can buy them. Uh, or, or like you could buy like a, a season of characters where like you pay for, you know, uh, the characters at a time or so. I don't know. I know people wouldn't really like that because they like to earn stuff for free. Um, and I'm like, you know, a privileged person with disposable income. So to me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll just well, buy I mean, it. Yeah, but... you can do that. You can buy characters. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, you can also earn. You them, can, I, but you can grind. Like. So it's like yeah. they got to make the money somehow. Right. So yeah, I, I get it is what I'm saying. But I also yeah. just don't. I don't like them. Yeah, but it's a good game. It is a good game. My number four top least most favorite game of 2022 <laughs> is the case of the golden idol this is an awesome game this is a um mystery game it is uh it has been compared to uh the return of the upper din uh it is not exactly like that but i think that if you go in kind of looking at that uh way of solving puzzles um i think you will do pretty well um it is kind of as somebody who didn't get into point and click adventure games this game is kind of hard to describe for me but basically uh what happens it, it's it's a series of um scenes laid out in a static uh in a static way uh, and basically you click around and you, um, you know, you'll, you'll click on a character and it will like open a little menu that shows everything that's in their pocket. And then you can click on the different things in their pocket and that will, they will add those terms. Like if they have a knife, it'll add knife to your uh, vocabulary. If they have, you know, a note, it'll, you know, if, if the note mentions some people, you can add those names. Like you see right there, the hand on the video that's clicking those, those little names that adds them to that. So then you can use those at the end of, of, um, of the level, you'll be able to describe what happened. Um, and, uh, it will give you little hints. Like you've got all but three right, or you have all but two right, or all but one thing is right, or you've got everything right. And once everything is right, it's all locked in, and then you can solve you know that thing and you can move on to the next one. Um, it's all about paying attention to what you are looking at. And if you have any love for you know the old um, you know Poirot mysteries or you know things like that gathering people in the main room and saying this is what happened you know and you've ever wanted to be in that scenario like this is this is the game for you um it's a from what i understand it's made by a very small indie team this is not like a huge game but this is one that like i have heard a couple of other people in the industry talk about uh it's it's fascinating it's got elements of um, you know, Lovecraft in it, you know, the, the old timey kind of, you know, colonial era fear of the unknown. And what is going on here? Is there something sinister, you know, lurking around the corner, all this sort of stuff. You're, you're following this family, 
you know, through here and, you know, all the people they interact with and these weird things that they've found and all of these murders that have happened, you know, around them. And it's, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. It had one of my favorite, uh, payoffs in games this year, uh, where there was something that didn't quite sit right with me, uh, in a very early chapter. Um, and in the, you know, final couple of chapters that paid off in a big, big way. And, uh, you know, I always love it when paying close attention, uh, is rewarded in games because that does not always happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you're looking for something unique, if you're looking at something, you know, for something compelling, something different, this is a fantastic palette cleanser. And I will say, I think I started playing it on like a Thursday um, and I was like, okay, I have to go and do something else, uh, in like an hour or two. So I'm going to put this down, but I'm coming back tomorrow. And then I beat it the next day. It is not very long, but it is really, really good. Um, so I highly recommend it. Kara and I started playing this last night actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. We, we, we loved Oberdin. I really like, yeah. I, I've, I've podcasted with you about Oberdin. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, true. I had heard that this was, was similar if not in tone and in uh, gameplay a little bit so uh yeah. yeah we've we've done the first three vignettes or so but we really like it so far except we're both playing on the steam deck at the same time so we're both getting a little cramped ah uh, gotcha <laughs> yeah yeah i was t- definitely playing it on my laptop which has a little bit more uh, visual room which was yeah. definitely very helpful games like this i i really like having uh they work on everything but it's kind of like um uh, unpacking where it's like, well, having a mouse is nice. So yeah. I'm just going to enjoy this. But uh, yeah. Ronnie, what is your number three? My number three, which uh, something tells me we might see this game again, is Triangle Strategy. Hey! I mentioned earlier that Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite game of all time. So surprise, this game made it on the list. Yeah. Uh, this game was way more... Uh, talkative than i was ready for when i first started it uh to the point where i think the main story is probably about 60 percent dialogue and cutscenes and 40 percent gameplay uh brian i don't know if you felt that way but that's about what the ratio felt to me yeah um and also another surprise this is my number three so oh, cool uh, so yeah so we can definitely uh dive in deep uh with this now the the talkative nature of this game, I definitely think that you are right about that split. And that was actually one of the things that pushed me away from it when I played the demo. Uh, I actually stopped playing this game and uh, uh, I quit the demo because it, it was forcing me to go out and talk to, you know, the people in the town. And I couldn't just decide to do something in the story. I had to convince all of my friends uh, you know, that we had to do it, you know, and, uh, that really, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, and because there is so much of a focus on character building and on, you know, persuasion and bringing everybody over to your side and all of those story-based elements that are not just strategically moving your troops around the battlefield, uh, I was repulsed by it at first and the funny thing is is i feel like now that i have beaten it and i've come to truly love it as the as the basically to me the closest 
we've gotten yet to Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, I those are the things that I think make it stand out, and in some ways even surpass Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, you know, as much as I love Ramza and his crew, uh, they don't have anywhere near the characterization as Serenoa or Frederica or Benedict or any of those characters. Like, I definitely feel like I know this group of people way more. And I think that that, uh, really feeds back into it in a, in a great way. I think the game does shades of gray really well. Um, which mm-hmm. sounds like kind of a trite thing after, you know, our, our post game of Thrones society where all the cool fiction has no right or wrong. Uh, but it's, it's about, a a teenager who's kind of thrust into the role of leading a, a family, one of the most powerful families in the kingdom early on. And one of the things I think I enjoyed the most about it is pretty much all of your close allies in the game in one way or another are going to piss you off at some point. Like, they have their own interests that they want to push and are upset if you don't feel the same way. And you, like the main character, you feel a bit of pressure from all sides to make everyone happy, knowing that that's just not possible. That's not the position that you're in. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's kind of reflected in the tactics gameplay as well, in that it's... uh, It can be pretty punishing if you're not careful. Um, Guys can surround you and get extra hits on you. Uh, you need to learn to move as a unit. You can't really uh, play as hero characters, with some exceptions. There are some of, a few overpowered units in there. Um, but the the other side of the battles only being about 40% of the gameplay is that they, they really do matter a lot more. Um, not, none of them feels really throwaway. It's like these characters are fighting for their lives a lot of the time, and I think they convey that feeling really well both through the story and through the gameplay but uh yeah i think you said it pretty well and that is my number three yeah uh i one of the things that i think is really interesting about triangle strategy that that makes it another thing that makes it stand out from uh from final fantasy tactics is uh square with this game is trying to tell multiple stories um and I think that it's not just that this game does Shades of Grey well, but it's that unlike... I, sometimes it can feel like uh, you know people are going for, oh, there is no such thing as right or wrong. It's all just personal interest. There are definitely some things that are objectively wrong in this game. Like There yeah. are definitely people that are horrific. Um, but I think that it, it really does incorporate and balance dealing with those elements and dealing with the elements of just personal choice uh, are, I, I think it's done well. I think it's done really well. Uh, yeah, I mean, your, your main character, like if that's the path you choose, can do some horrific things as well. Uh, it's it's yeah. in the name of the greater good, but it's, there's, it's like, well, you can do this one thing and probably win this battle and hurt a lot of people, or you can try to do something that is going to be more direct danger to those that you care about the most. So uh, they, they yeah. push a lot of those buttons. And if you can get past the, the, the talkiness of it, the, the talkative nature, there's a, a really memorable game in there to talking, talking about it. I kind of just want to go back and play right now, which I can't because I yeah. have 70,000 hours of Xenoblade left. And so eventually yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I'm excited to play it again. I'm interested in playing it on hard, and I think there are like something like five endings, or maybe even more than that. So, four, I, I am. I think four. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, three endings, and then yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm really excited to play it more. I, I, I don't know when I'm gonna make that happen, but I really do want to make that happen uh, at some point, which I think uh, speaks volumes. Uh, speaks volumes to this game's quality and why it is in the top three uh, for 2022. Because I feel that way uh, about the other games that are higher up on on my personal list as well. Uh, Josh, what is your number three? Platoon three, baby. Oh, oh yeah. We're are you, kids, hey, we're Josh, squids. Which one are we're you? We're kids now, we're squids now. Uh, I'm I'm a man. <laughs> uh, um, I liked Splatoon one, and I thought it was. I didn't play it much. I thought it. This is a really interesting concept, like Nintendo taking a let's make a third person shooter, but let's change the idea from shooting others into shooting the environment instead. And like giving you cool ways to like maneuver around that environment and giving you the tools to do it in really fun ways. And like that's kind of where Splatoon 1 ends. Splatoon 2, it's like we added a lot more stuff. We added like Salmon Run, which is that PvE co op mode and stuff. And it was like, yeah, this is better, but it still hasn't quite reached it for me. It's like I still felt like this is a really interesting concept from you know i think it came originally from some of the junior designers at nintendo and i'm like this is a really cool like you know young hip kind of concept for a game that i that i appreciate from that standpoint but don't really want to play it much and then this game came out and everything they've done since then it's just like a lot of growth like i've i i found myself actually hooked for like a full month on splatoon 3 it's like the single player mode has really fun and cool uh, level design like the uh, salmon run mode is still really fun and can get really, really challenging sometimes. Um, so it has reasons for you to like come back and it rotates every day and changes and stuff. So it's like interesting in that way. The walking around and seeing everyone's drawings is just like such a there's like a weird culture in this game, like a hundred percent that doesn't feel like it exists in other games and like other communities. Uh, it has this very like youthful meme, uh, but like artistic and authentic sort of, I don't know, vibe. I don't know how else to say it. It has a yeah. vibe like, and it, and no other game has the vibe that Splatoon three has. Like, uh, the multiplayer is really good. There's tons of weapons. There's tons of unlocks. Like you can legit play this game for years. And the best part about it is that you pay whatever you pay to get it. And it's a game, man. You paid for it. It's got, you know, like there's nothing else added on to it, right? There's no like microtransactions. There's a battle pass, but you don't pay for it. It's completely free. Like, there's a like uh, a, a mini game card game that you can collect cards for. There's like a locker you can put stickers on and like all these little things to do. It just has so much personality and so much content like packed into this tiny little box. This game fucking rules. Like I, I 
Like it's like it took three games, but damn it, they got there. Like Splatoon three is awesome. I love it. It almost made my I need my list as well. It's it's a really fantastic game, and I will say, despite it being a like a, a discrete package, not many games get me to come back for like events. I will come back to Splatoon three for Splatfests when they come out. Oh yeah, because uh, they they transform the entire hub area. It's a giant parade and party. It looks completely different. It feels like you're walking into a festival and it's something special. And then you get to fight over, you know, your favorite piece of camping equipment or your favorite kind of cake or whatever the current theme is that month. Yeah. But the, when I the, remember the that the one I did was the Desert yeah. Island one. Yeah. Yeah. Splatfests are really fun. Yeah. I'm going to need gear, somebody. Baby. I'm going to need somebody to keep <laughs> a running total of how many card games. Or how many mini, like how many card game many aspects card games? of games yeah. we have in each of our, in each. Yeah, of our this games, is like cause... number three, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it might be more than that. Well, nothing, <laughs> but, nothing uh, in Xenoblade. Let me think. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll work on see. it later. Let's Two see, of see. them were Marvel. That's true. Uh, Cult of the <laughs> Lamb has cards, uh, aspects of it. I think you could make a case that Case of the Golden Idol has like little cards that you're you're organizing and stuff. We're talking like card games though. Card like, games. You know. We got this. We got uh. We got Midnight Suns. We got Midnight Suns, and you've got Marvel Snap. You got Marvel Snap. That's three. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Splatoon three. Catch the fever. So, uh, so we already talked about my third, uh, which is Triangle Strategy. So let's uh dive into ronnie's number two my number two is god of war ragnarok um the basic choice but the correct choice for the second best game of the year in my opinion uh this game i knew was special because i had to play it for work i had to blaze through it (laughs) i had to repeat certain sections of the game that other people think are mind-numbing Uh, about a dozen times in order to get just the right bit of footage that i needed for that particular video and i i I still adore this game i still want to go back and and keep playing more of it uh they do some really smart things with with combat in terms of the awakening skills for uh, kratos's weapons um but more importantly i think they tell a more nuanced story than than i was expecting uh, from the first one. And I, I don't want to get into too many spoilers um, for it, of course. I, I don't want to ruin that surprise for people who still want to play it. A lot of games still coming out, and it was, it was pretty recent. Um, but it has a lot to say about what it, what it means to follow the legacy of your family, what it means to uh, find your own path despite of that. And those all sound like kind of cliched things and they can be um but they don't beat you over the head with it in my opinion it's it's done in in very intelligent ways and it's just a freaking fun game to play a lot of the time so yeah. uh there's there's not many blind spots for it in my opinion and some people which i agree with there are some slow sections that are a little annoying to replay but even those are filled with uh, a ton of character moments that i still really enjoyed and completely kept my interest and um, I was not very excited for this game. I was like, oh, yeah, New God of War is coming out. It's going to be fine. Um, and it's one of the games I've been uh, thinking about close to constantly since I, I finished playing it. 
Yeah. Uh, this one also did not make my uh, top five, but it is in my uh, favorites from 2022 uh, list. You know, as I was keeping that throughout the year on Backlogged. Um, this was a game that I kind of is very polarizing to me because it, it has a lot of issues uh, to me, but I, I cannot deny that there are a great number of ways in which this game is truly fantastic. Um, and uh, I, I am really glad to have played it. And this is one that I'm thinking I will go back to, to, you know, do more. I beat it, but I, I, there were definitely moments where I was like, I could go back and do some of these side quests that I didn't finish or, you know, fight some of these bosses that I didn't fight, you know, or something like that. But there yeah, are good pick. two games that made me cry this year and they're both on my list. This is a, yeah. <laughs> this is a great one. If a game, if a game can provoke a legitimate emotional response from me, that's not just anger or frustration because the game is bad, then that's usually one that sits with me. Uh, to me, that's what makes games special. So uh, mm. definitely high up there for me. Yeah. I think uh, I you think all, that you already know my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Talked that about that, this like a month ago. Yeah, I think that that is also that is also true of me, and I, I feel like it, it does uh, it does hit on some emotional notes that are uh, that are really good. Which is nice and is, as you said, unusual. For sure. Which is cool. Uh, Josh. My number two is Signalis, which is I want to play that. Basically, an indie synthesis of Metal Gear Solid, Evangelion, and Resident Evil, all tied into one just beautiful package. Um. It like hits the trifecta for me. It's like it it hits on all these things I love. Like I love horror. I love the original Metal Gear. I love the original like Resident Evils. I love Evangelion. Um, and also just like love all the like I like weird things. Like I don't necessarily need things to have an explanation. Like uh, some of this game feels a little bit like a Rorschach test where it's like, what do you think it was about? Even though there's a lot of like text documents and stuff for you to like pour over. And there's a lot of theories about like what the true, uh, you know, cause there's like five different endings, like what it all meant or like what was actually going on. And I'm like, to me, I'm like, you don't really need to do that. It's just, what do you think, right? Is and I kind of like that about the game. I also like that it's only like six and a half hours long. Perfect. Um, and it just like nails everything it does. Like it has, it, it. it's just like consistently good the whole time. There's maybe like one section of the game where I'm like, this part's a little slow, but like it does so many things to change it up like from the top down thing, there's first person parts. The puzzles are some of the best puzzles I've played in any game ever, where the first moment you see them, they feel so esoteric and un, uh, just unwieldy. Like, I'm never going to solve this. And then within like 15 minutes, you're like, oh my God, I figured it out. And it wasn't like a, I pushed random buttons till something happened. It's like you actually figured it out. Um, and it's just so satisfying. 
and I love the I love this game. It's freaking phenomenal. The only thing that kept it from not being my number one because I talked about it on the show with Brian and Chris when I first started playing it when I was about two hours in. I said this might be my favorite game of the year so far. Like if it continues, the last section is difficult. Um, in a point where like they take your map from you and they kind of disorient you and it's effective, but slightly frustrating. Um, it's a little too effective. I never got like, it's a little, it's pretty effective. I, I didn't get tunic frustrated, but you'd run down hallways where like all game you'd run to the left and you'd come out the right, you know, in the next room you come in. But like in the last area you could go, you could go down and you'll come out the left of some other room and you're like, but it's always the same. It's not randomized in any way. So like you end up, what I love too, is you end up taking lots of notes and pictures. Like I have pictures on my phone of like weird static with numbers and stuff. And you're like, wait a minute, I know what these numbers go to. So you're like, take a picture on your phone and then like go to the puzzle and like look it up. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, but uh, like at the end when I was doing the thing, I had to like make this really just weird esoteric dots, like connect- linking dots with other dots and stuff. And it, if you hadn't played the game, you'd look at it and be like, what the hell is this? And I'd be like, oh, it's a map, but it looks like a constellation or something. It looks like just nonsense on paper. But to me, I'm like, oh, this is the map of the final area, right? Because I know that if I come, if I go here, it's going to go over here to the right and do all these weird stuff, right? But um yeah this game's dope you guys like it's on game pass just give it a go it's freaking amazing especially if you're like a big fan of like old uh classic metal gear solid and like classic top-down isometric resident evil like you're gonna you're gonna freaking love this game it's it's Which is awesome. funny because i'm a fan of one of those things <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i definitely i definitely agree there were there was a part i've played a little bit of this uh i think i got through like the tutorial and got to the next area and then and then quit because i was trying to play something else to be ready for this uh but i definitely thought that i was missing something like i was like oh like i just i just don't have what i need to proceed and then i started paying closer attention to my surroundings and i was like oh i figured it out and that like literally the first puzzle of the game is like, oh, oh, I got it. Okay, gotcha. This is what we're doing. All right, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely one of those that like, I'm not really a horror game guy, but I definitely uh, am into what this game is doing and uh, am interested in, in going back it's, and playing more. It's definitely not jump scare horror. It's very much just like you're alone in a place where everyone's dead essentially yeah. kind of experience so right josh the sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you um the no. vibe i'm getting from it a little bit I, I have heard about this game and i've wanted to try it out i've been looking for other games that aren't the exact same but kind of mimic the vibe of control um that was one of my favorite games from a, a few years ago uh, just yeah. exploring kind of an abandoned liminal space um, would you say this kind of gives off the same feeling, just with more horror vibes? Yes, to an extent, very much less action focused. Okay. Than control, and there's not really like there's a couple of like scenes 
quote unquote. Um, but they're very few and far between because most of the things sort of happen around you and like the, uh, you know, you read also, this is a game where you have to read everything. I'm sorry, but like at least the keep in mind, the text documents aren't that long. So, you know, if you have, if you, if that's a turnoff for you, sorry, but at least the, they're not that long, but you have to read the things or else you're not, because some of the, sometimes the text documents are literally like the step by step, how you solve a puzzle. Like there, there's yeah. one puzzle I can think of where you're like, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. And later on you find like, yeah, this thing's broken. Here are the sequence of things that I had to do to get it working again. And it's literally step by step what you're supposed to do. So you just like write it down and then do it in that order. And then it works, you know, like it, some of the puzzles are like that, but they're cool because you had to actually like engage with it yeah. as a puzzle a little bit. Right. Um, but that being said, yes, it is, it is one of those games where it's like you're in a space and you can backtrack throughout that space and you have to, because there are parts where you'll get a key you need for something. Um, there is a completion percentage at the end of the game. I think I only did like 70 something percent and I thought I was being pretty thorough actually and getting like everything. And I apparently did not, um, and uh, it's yeah, if you like exploring like a, like a space that you will actually become intimately familiar with, this game definitely has that. Awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and that was your two, Josh. Number that two. Means, that means it's time for my two. Number two. And my Going number two me. is Citizen Sleeper. Uh, hey. This game is also on Game this Pass. This is my number one. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Citizen Sleeper is on Game Pass. This is one of the... We were talking about games that provoked an emotional response. This is the one that hit me hardest. Uh, this game hit me really hard. Um, uh, I have heard uh, some people say that, like... Um, I've definitely had experiences like this before, like with journey where it's like, I've played this game once I got the experience out. It was a beautiful experience and I'm done. Uh, I think that citizen sleeper could have been that for me, but it's too good. And I had to see everything. <laughs> and I, yeah. so I 100 percented this game. Uh, I got every ending. Same. I got every achievement. It is, it is, um, there are certainly uh, endings that I found more personally compelling than others, but I understood all of them. Uh, and they all resonated with me to different degrees. That Some of them just felt less true to me, uh, to who I was playing uh, The Sleeper as, uh, which is a, a fantastically beautiful sentiment to be able to provoke in a player um to have something resonate as like oh and and to have and to have an ending that that feels less true still feel like it makes complete sense within this world um it is it is incredibly elegantly designed this is one of the best games i've ever played um this is if i was rating things on the scale it's, this is it's, it's funny to say that Sorry to interrupt, but it's like watching the gameplay of it. Like if you had told me this and I hadn't played it because yeah. it is my number one, 
I'd have been like, you're probably, I think you're out of your mind, Brian. Like, this is some, <laughs> this is just Brian being Brian, right? But yeah. I've played this and I agree 100%. It is quite possibly one of the best games ever made. It is so elegantly designed uh, yeah. just from start to finish. It doesn't feel like it has any filler. Like, it's no fat. It's incredible. It, yeah, it yeah. is. There are so many games, you know, including, you know, a game that I really, really liked, God of War Ragnarok, where I thought this game could have been almost half the length and I, you know, been been better in my estimation. I know that there are definitely many people who love how long that game is, but there is no fat on the bone with Citizen Sleeper. It is all bangers all the time. You know, there are many side missions that uh, I played multiple times, but there are a bunch of people um, throughout this world, you know, Lemon, Mina, you know, Ethan, these characters have their own things going on. Uh, stuff happens with them while you are not around. They have their own lives. They have their own desires. They have their own things that they are willing to do to get what they need. And at the same time, you are, you know, playing a simulated consciousness that's been uh, abandoned by the human being that you were derived from, and you're being hunted by the corporation that you uh, fleed from. And you're trying to scrape out, uh, you're trying to survive on this, you know, spaceport. And there are unique things about you and who you are and the way that you are that make you valuable to certain people that make you exploitable to other people. Um, and, but there are also beautiful things that you can do for other people because you are free in a way that they are not, or because you have skills that they don't. And the way that you interact with people affects what happens. And, you know, you, you, if you're watching the video, you'll see right now, you know, there are numbers at the top. There are little, you know, little dice, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. And, uh, you, as you are slowly dying and degrading in this, you know, body with manufactured obsolescence, you will lose energy, which means you will have fewer dice, which means you will have to make harder choices on what to spend your uh, highest dice on. You know, essential things. You're going to have to make these meaningful choices all the time. And this is a game that is just, that is the game. It is meaningful choice, the game. Uh, and there's a ton of, of great writing. I think it, it is all really, really well done. Also, I will tell you, some of the songs from this game will make me tear up just hearing them alone without anything else. Uh, and the music's I, so calming. I think I, I think I sat and like sobbed after one of the endings uh, in this game. Uh, it's it's it, I it's it, it the wild thing to me is that uh, this isn't my number one pick, but it very easily could have been basically this. When I was ranking these, I was like, well, Elden Ring and Citizen Sleeper are tied for number one, because there's no way I can say that Citizen Sleeper loses to anything. Like it's, it's a perfect game. Uh, and I think that that I, I, I have actually been thinking about this this week when I was trying to like solidify my ranking, I have a sneaking suspicion that Citizen Sleeper is going to be the game on this list that sticks with me the longest. 
that I will think back on the most um, just from here on. Uh, I think that it's a really special experience that you should definitely not miss. And because it's on Game Pass... And they're adding more. Yeah, and they're adding more. Uh, because it's on Game yeah. Pass, uh, it is it is accessible to a lot of people, uh, which I think is fantastic. I think I was probably more Don't effusive. On it. I think I was probably more <laughs> effusive with my praise of that than I will be of uh, of my number one. But that's that's how I feel. So there you go. So so maybe hey, if that makes more sense, then just switch them, and then maybe that one was number one for me. Who knows? Uh, but yeah. Ronnie, what is your number one? My number one is Barbie's Dream House Adventure. No, I'm just kidding. It, no, it's Elden Ring. Wow. Of course. Yeah, it's it's Elden Ring. I'm 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 one of those people. But uh, I really like uh, Souls games. Bloodborne is one of my favorite games of all time. I really enjoy the other Dark Souls games, but this one really hit me in a way uh, that I wasn't expecting. You. I feel like I want to say it's a game where less is more, but also there's so much more in that game than you think. You can't really say that. So less is more here's, in here's concept. What Staggeringly if, big. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie, if less is more, think about how much more more is. Yeah. There um, you go. No, it was... Elden Ring, I, the game. I, I have a big problem. I don't have the exact name for it, but it's, it started first with Final Fantasy thirteen in games where you focus really hard in on one spot and then you finish that spot and once you get past it it opens up like like this is so much bigger than you ever thought it was that is usually like a momentum killer for me in a video game um i call you know final fantasy 13 problem because the first half of that game is one hallway and then you get to a giant open area and i put the controller down i was like i don't think i want to play this anymore it's just it's just too much it's overwhelming um i felt that way a lot of the time in Elden Ring, but I was always compelled to keep going. Um, it has the perfect amount of, you can kind of see something shimmering off in the horizon and you have to kind of go check out what it is. Um, and you will probably be rewarded every single time, even if it's not exactly how you think with something tangible. It could be a um a little piece of the lore. It could be the start of a new side quest. It could be just a really cool environment you didn't expect to see. Um, but this game, I think, is just kind of a masterclass in game design and something that should kill the momentum over and over and over again that just doesn't. Because it's just... Yeah. You always want to see what's coming up next. I surprisingly finished it i didn't think i would just because of all the things that come out i, I couldn't finish two-thirds of my or two-fifths of my list uh, but elden ring was a game i absolutely just had to see all the way through and when i finished i was like should i should i start like a, another game like with a new build or something and then i was like no you're an idiot come back later um it's too much <laughs> but this game um disgusted me a lot of the times it it kind of made me like uh slack jawed and wonder it made me frustrated it's made me feel victorious uh there was again it, it inspired so many different emotions and still has that um still kind of has that from soft feel of stranger in a strange land kind of i don't belong here but i'm gonna figure it out anyway um 
someone brought up a really good point. Uh, I was listening to the to the Min Max show. Um, it's one of my favorite gaming podcasts, and they were just talking about the. They did a whole separate episode on like the best music of the year, and they just play like that one somber like atmospheric underscore like string note that you hear in Limgrave constantly. And mm. like just hearing that one noise was like so evocative to me. And I was like, I, I, I feel like I'm there right now. Um, yeah. th- it has just a, such a sense of place. Um, you could explore it forever and there's still more stuff to see. And, uh, you know, it, you, you are going to die a lot. You are going to find points of frustration um, but I also think that's by design and that may not be a, a good enough answer for some people if they, if they don't enjoy those, those points of frustration, but when it hits for yeah. you, it really hits. And, um, yeah, like, like breath of the wild was, I think this game is going to be like a design doc template for a lot of games looking on the future. And, um, it, I, I just think it's extremely special. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is also my number one. This is also my number one game, and uh, and uh, it's. I've long. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast at all, uh, you know how big a fan I am of the FromSoft Souls games. Uh, whether it's you know, I go I go as far back with them as Demon Souls. I never played any of the Kingsfield games, but um, Demons, Dark Souls one through three to varying degrees. Uh, and Bloodborne are all truly uh, incredible games. Um, you know, even even the parts of you know Dark Souls One or Dark Souls Two that I don't like, or the parts of Bloodborne that I don't like, um, they still do something that almost nobody else does, which is something I was talking about with the Case of the Golden Idol, which is rewarding patience and observation. If you, I, I've always said that the Dark Souls games are not as hard as people make them out to be. If you are willing to be patient and you're willing to pay attention, these every every hill is surmountable. Um, it just Brian, I'm going to remind you and, of that next time we're playing a fighting game together. <laughs> <laughs> you probably should. You probably should. I could I could stand to be reminded of that time and time again, but. Uh, but, and and I, I think when we saw this, I know, Ronnie, you and I had both played this in the beta uh, or in the alpha, and that didn't really resonate with me. This was another triangle strategy situation where I kind of jumped into it and I was like, I, I kind of wish that this was just linear, you know? And uh, it wasn't until I played the full thing and spent a lot more time with it that... Um, that it it clicked with me and i feel like there are so many games that go open world just to do it because they know that that you know for whatever reason whether that is you can play it a lot longer you can have people spend a lot more time with it you know or it just becomes more of a talking point because it's open world and people expect that but uh my thought is unless the game being open world is the point uh, of your game, then you shouldn't do it because it's too hard to do properly and it's too easy to screw up. And I think that this joins, like you said, Breath of the Wild with, you know, as an open world 
game that is open world on purpose and that is like kind of the thesis of the game yeah uh open world is 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 the page that you write on it's not a bullet point in the design doc of your game yeah yes yes and there are i mean almost no developers that i think can do better justice to creating a space than from software uh, and yeah, like, like Ronnie said, they, it really does feel like a place. And even when you're moving from zone to zone, like each place feels of a piece. Um, and, uh, there are more bosses in this game than any other game before. And I think that, you know, a lot of them are some of the series best. Um, the music is incredible. The gameplay is great and they have a wide variety of builds. Um, uh, Ronnie said he, kept himself from starting up another uh, another playthrough with a build. I got the Platinum in this game on PS5, and then I started streaming a 100% get every item, complete every side quest run on PC. Uh, and I stopped about halfway through because I had a bunch of other stuff that I had to do, but I, I still, and I could, every day I'm like, I could start a new build. I could start a new playthrough. Uh, this game is that good. Uh, and yeah, it absolutely is up there with you know some of the best games ever made for sure so josh what is your number one bring us home it was it was citizen sleeper oh there we go i guess that was it yeah yeah oh man 2022 uh, i heard a lot of people say that that 2022 wasn't that great a year for games i gotta disagree how do you guys feel I thought it was pretty good, but like I'm not maybe the person to ask because I did barely played anything new last year. Like I pretty much played Final Fantasy 14 and Apex Legends like all year. So I'm not. <laughs> Were those games great I'm for not 2022? Really, an authority. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, they were good. Um, but yeah. I, uh, but that being said, I actually agree with you because some of the stuff that I did play, I felt was like fantastic. Um, and now I'm trying to think of like what even is coming out this year, like it's later in the year. And I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. But yeah, Ronnie, I think 2022 was pretty great. Ronnie, as somebody who played, uh, puddles of, of myriad games in 2022, how do you feel like 2022 stacked up? How do you feel like it was for games? 2022 was was a weird year pacing-wise. Uh, you had, like, giant roundhouse coming in with Elden Ring at the beginning of the year, once again eclipsing Horizon. Sorry, Horizon. That's bad luck. Um, <laughs> and then a few bangers dropping later in the year. Um, there was a lot of uh, smaller stuff, the, a lot that's on your list, Brian, that, that kept things afloat, kept things interesting. Um, but there were times during my job last year where like a lot of what i was doing was like mod videos for older games because new stuff just wasn't coming out and wasn't really finding traffic uh so i i think it felt like a slow year because some points of it were slow but if you look like at the whole year holistically i i think it ended up being a great year for games i think 2023 is going to be insane 
I don't know if all the games are going to be good, but the amount of games that are coming out is going to be ridiculous because I think everything they got be fun. pushed during the pandemic is landing right next year. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I think I think it was good. I think it was really good. I think that Josh put it really well, which is like, even though it did feel like there were dry spells um, at certain points. Oh, <laughs> oh Justin, uh, for people who don't know. Justin Corais is running the is running our stream for this episode. And he just pulled up a ridiculous clip from my 100 uh, percent playthrough of Elden Ring where I just got shot by a billion arrows. <laughs> Why are you naked, Brian? You got bor- you got Boromir'd. Um, I was doing the... I'm naked because I was dressed as Let Me Solo Her, except I was playing a female character, so I was, uh, I was only partially naked with a pot on my head with two katanas. Sure. Yeah, watch this. I'm just gonna get lit up. Like that is just, that is just chock full. I'm I. This is like Boromir from Lord of the Rings times three, but uh, which is probably gonna be the name of this episode. But uh, yeah, I I I think it was great. There were a lot of really really good things. I'm I'm kind of in a weird situation where there is a lot coming out in 2023, but I'm not actually sure what I'm looking forward to outside of like I think June. June has three things that I'm excited for. It's like Street Fighter Six and Diablo Four and something Final else. Fantasy Sixteen. What else? Final Fantasy Sixteen. Yeah. I'm excited for the potential of that. I don't know if I'm gonna vibe with it, but yeah, I'm gonna give it a chance. Oh, I'm I'm hyped. And yeah, it's like that and Diablo are enough. <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. 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 It's it, yes. Yeah, there. But I'm very excited. It's, this we, this year is going to be a big question mark, I think, because there's there's a lot of like high profile games that are coming out, but I'm really curious how many of them are truly going to be great. Um, Justin has dropped Starfield in the chat. It's going to be another big one. Yeah, I keep forgetting that, about Starfield. Honestly, I think everyone yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, it's coming go, out oh, though. Yeah, Starfield. Yeah. Sorry, but uh, if Starfield <laughs> if Starfield lives up to its potential, it'll be really cool. Yeah, that'll be great. No, I mean, um, yeah, I, I bag on it. Skyrim has been ported to everything in existence for a reason. That game is still super special, yeah. even if it's dated now. Because it's great. Yeah. And there's, yeah. yeah. I really hope Starfield can... It's got can... a decade's worth of... Sorry, keep walking over That's... each other. Go ahead. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I, just, I hope it can recapture that magic, and I think it can, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Any final thoughts, uh, Ronnie, before we uh, before we wrap things up? Uh no, I, I I think I've I've said my piece. Cool, Josh. Any final thoughts? Twenty twenty three. Here we go. Here we go again. Oh shit! Here, here we, we go, go again. again. Oh shit! Here we go again. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us for episode two hundred and sixty three of the Platformers. If you want to watch us record each episode live. Head to twitch.tv slash platformerspod and check out the episode archive at youtube.com slash platformerspod. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash platformerspod, and you can find all of us individually. Uh, On social media like Twitter, you can find me at ribnax, R-I-B-N-A-X, and I'm going to have some guides coming out soon, um, as well as some... 
best of lists for IGN. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Josh, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash Josh to see all the cool things I'm watching all the time. I don't have it pulled up, so I don't even remember what I watched recently, but whatever. Um, and then you can see all the cool video essay stuff that I'm doing at youtube.com slash media is mythic. Ronnie, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ronnie underscore barrier, R-O-N-N-Y. Um, and uh, I almost said what I'm working on, but that is currently embargoed. So stay tuned. Exciting <laughs> stuff coming up soon. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, please review us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like the show, tell friends about it. (sighs) Here we go, guys. Let's get out of here. From everybody here at the platformers, we hope you have a wonderful week. And stay safe out there because until next time, we are out.